Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. I'm Jeff, one of the pastors at Soul Church. Uh, stoked to be here with you today. Welcome if you're tuning in online as well. Um, like Andy said, we're kicking off a new series today because it's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. We've got 13 days to go. Uh, and for many people, Christmas is a great time of the year. It's full of fun and family and food. It's full of people and presents and parties. Uh, your calendars are probably filled with all the work Christmas parties and the friends that you want to see and the making Christmas Day plans at the moment. And there's food to cook and there's hams to eat and there's eggnog to avoid because what even is eggnog? And uh, you're buying presents for your friends and your family and for yourself because you always get one or two cheeky little presents for yourself on the side. And you could be braving the shops in person or maybe you've decided go online. I went online and I bought a gift this week and it's due sometime between now and the 7th of January, which I kind of feel maybe I left that a little bit too late. But I reckon this year in particular for most people, Christmas feels like the sigh of relief at the end of a long race because we've been putting up with COVID for the last two years, with all the disruptions that COVID has brought. Last Christmas, we ended lockdown, we ended Christmas and went straight into another lockdown. Uh, This year, another week by Christmas, restrictions will have eased for unvaccinated people amongst us. Uh, And it feels far more likely to be smoother sailing next year. I'm not a prophet. I don't know if that's what actually is going to happen, but it feels more likely to be smoother sailing. Uh, Only God knows the future, though. Uh, But I think Christmas is a happy, exciting time of the year for many of us. Although for some of us, it's not a happy time of the year, as some of us probably feel more lonely at Christmas than we do at any other time in the year, as some of us feel will be feeling the sadness and the grief for family and friends who are no longer with us. For some of us, the cost of COVID has been very real, and there are long-term, long-lasting implications for us. We'd rather avoid than celebrate Christmas. But whether Christmas is full of parties, presents, and food, and friends, and fun, or whether Christmas is a heavy and a hard time of year for you, either way, in the background to Christmas, these songs are playing. Christmas carols. They're part of the background noise of Christmas. They're in all the shops. They're featured on Spotify playlists. But they're drowned out by all the other stuff that comes with Christmas. And in the run-up to Christmas this year, we're bringing three carols out of the background to hear about the joy and the hope that they sing of. We're bringing three of these carols front and center to see what is it that these writers of these famous songs saw about Jesus that led them to write these songs. And we're looking at three of them. There's so many great carols that we could choose from for this series. Uh, All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. It's a great song. Uh, Oh, Christmas Tree, which seems to literally be a song about a tree. Uh, But we decided we're going to do Hark the Herald Angels Sing, then next week, Oh, Holy Night, and then Christmas Eve, Joy to the World. And then on Christmas Day, we're going to kind of combine all three of them. Uh, so, Hug the Herald Angels Sing, that's the one we're looking at. This song was written by a guy named Charles Wesley in 1793. There he is, Charles Wesley. And you've got a feel for this guy. Everyone has changed this song on him. 
So immediately after he wrote it, a friend of his named George Whitfield renamed the song and rewrote the first lines. Wesley wrote, Hark how all the heaven rings, glory to the king of kings. And George Whitfield is like, nah, that's lame. So he changed it to what we have now. And the tune that Wesley wrote was this really slow, solemn kind of tune. And then a hundred years later, Felix Mendelssohn was listening to it. And he's like, nah, that's lame. And he changed it to the upbeat, happy song that it is now. So you've got to feel for this guy. Everybody has changed this song on him. But why did he write this song in the first place? Why did Charles Wesley write this song? Uh, maybe for the royalties. There's good money in Christmas carols. But I'm willing to bet that Wesley did not write a song in 1793 so that it could play from the speakers at Kmart while we do our last-minute Christmas shopping, or so that it could be sung by second-grade celebrities at Carols in the Domain. He wrote this song because he saw something glorious, so glorious, so incredible, that he couldn't help but sing. He saw angels. He saw angels giving glory to King Jesus. Uh, Grab your Bibles open. Come and have a look in Luke chapter 2. We're going to follow along in these very famous verses. Have a look in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, there's two things we're going to see in here. Two things about Jesus that are glorious. And so two reasons that the angels give him glory. Two things about Jesus that are glorious. So two reasons to give Jesus glory. Uh, The first thing that is glorious about Jesus is the angels are here sharing and celebrating the birth of a baby. They're sharing and celebrating the birth of a baby. Kind of the same thing that happens now when proud parents cover their Facebook or their Instagram feeds with a photo of their newborn and all the vital stats of the newborn. uh, Because they want to share and they want to celebrate. I'm one of four kids. When my older sister was born... My dad was so stoked that he called all of his family and he called his brother who was in Sweden at the time, uh, but he forgot about the time difference. So he called him at 2 a.m. with the great news that my sister was born. Uh, Now, no news sounds great at 2 a.m., doesn't matter what the news is, but my dad was just so stoked. He just wanted to tell everyone. The angel's song is like that. It's like a first century Instagram post celebrating the birth of this baby. But not just any baby. Like the carol says, they give glory to the newborn king. This is the birth of a king. Uh, Verse 11, have a look. Verse 11 says, Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah or the Christ. The word Messiah or Christ, it's not Jesus' surname. It's a title. It's a title that means king. And if the birth of any child is worth celebrating, how much more the birth of a king? The birth of a baby of one of the royals, there's thousands of flashing cameras that light up the room. At the birth of King Jesus, billions of angels light up the sky because this king is also 
the Son of God. That's what verse 11 tells us. Have a look. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. He is the Lord. He's not a king. He's the king, the Lord of heaven and earth. And this is what the carol says in verse 2. Here's what it says. Vowed in flesh, the Godhead, see, hail the incarnate deity, God, deity, incarnate with flesh, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. This is a king. This is the Lord. What makes Jesus glorious and the reason the angels give him glory is that Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is God with us. Uh, What do you picture when you hear the word God? What do you think of when you hear the word God? I think God means different things to different people. Uh, For some of us, God is out there at a distance. Uh, For some of us, there's many gods. Or God is in nature. Or God is in us. Or there is no God. When I say that Jesus is God, I don't mean any of those things. I don't mean a vague sense of God being out there. I don't mean that Jesus is God-like somehow. I mean Jesus is the Isaiah 45 God. Is this what it says in Isaiah 45? This is what the Lord says. He who created the heavens, he is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, he founded it. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord... And there is no other. This is God. The God who made the earth and the sky and filled them. The God who spoke and life burst into existence. The one and only living God. Here's what else he says. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me, every knee will bow. By me, every tongue will swear. The world belongs to God. God is so different to us. He is perfect. He is eternal. He is infinite. The world belongs to God. And so all people will bow before God. And every tongue will declare that he is the only God. And Jesus is that God. Listen to this from Philippians 2. Jesus... Being in very nature God, made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You see, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will declare that he is the Lord. He's the King. He's the Son of God. The God of the Bible, the God we meet in the pages of the Bible, is massive, huge, infinite, perfect, glorious, eternal. And in that one being of God who is like that, are three persons, God the Father, And God the Son and God the Spirit who relate together in perfect relationship, perfect love for all eternity. When the 
when Christians talk about God, when the Bible talks about God, we're not saying, I, I kind of like to think of God as this, or the God I believe in is kind of like this. We're talking about this God. We're saying the true God, the only God, the God who made himself known is this God, Father and Son and Spirit, one God united together. And at the first Christmas, the angels herald this. The, the angels herald, they announce, they declare for the world to hear that the Son of God is with us. That God the Father sent his Son into the world. And God, the eternal Son, has become the incarnate Son, the God-man, Jesus Christ, by the power of God the Spirit. Now, the first reason that Jesus is glorious, the first reason that the angels give glory to Jesus, is because God is with us. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. So the glory of King Jesus is that God has hands. That God is with us. The same God who made our hands had hands. The same God who flung the stars into space was rocked to sleep as a tired baby. The same God who filled your lungs with the breath that you just took, took his first breath. And this is massive because this means that God is not out there, distant. It often feels like God's distant. Uh, maybe you've cried out to God and it felt like God didn't answer. Maybe that's because there is no one out there. Or maybe you're confused by all the religions. There's so many of them. They all disagree with each other. How can you know which one is the real God? Is it Allah? Is it Krishna? Which God is the real God? And really, why does God make it so hard? Why doesn't God just show himself so that we could know him, so we could all see? We does. The glory of King Jesus is that God is with us. God has hands. God is with us in Jesus. You could have touched Jesus with your own hands. You could have seen the Son of God with your own eyes. God is not distant. At the very first Christmas, God came near. And that is why the angels sing. That is why Wesley wrote this song. So we need to respond to Jesus' glory by giving him glory. Like the angels in the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King. We need to do the same thing. We need to give glory to the King. What does that mean? What does it mean to give someone glory? Glory is a bit of a Christmas word, isn't it? It's not really a word that you use at other times in the year. Let me show you what it means to give something glory by telling you about Hyams Beach. Uh, Hyams Beach, hands up if you've ever been to Hyams Beach. Oh, about half the room, awesome. Uh, Hyams Beach is near Jarvis Bay, uh, and I'm going to make the call, if you've never seen it, this is the greatest beach in the world. I've not been to all the beaches in the world, but this is definitely the greatest one. Uh, here's a photo of it. This photo, though, just doesn't do justice to this beach. The water of this, it's got no surf. If you like surfing, this is a terrible beach for you. But otherwise, the water on this beach is crystal clear. The sand is brilliantly white. Actually holds the Guinness World Record for having the brightest sand in the world. The whitest sand in the world. It's a glorious beach. It's actually so good that the last time I went there, I collected a jar of the sand of this beach so I could remember this beach. I love this beach. 
Now, how would you give a beach, how would you give Hyams Beach glory? Well, to start with, you'd recognize that it's beautiful. You'd recognize that it's impressive. That's where you'd start. But it's possible to recognize glory and not to treasure glory. I mean, you could see this photo, you could see this jar, you could agree, that looks good. Why to sand in the world? That's cool. That would be to recognize it. But if you treasured it, you'd want to see it for reals. You'd want to feel the sand underneath your feet. You'd want to swim in the water. If you treasured it, you'd love it. You'd use it as a sermon illustration. You'd treasure it more than other things. You'd cancel your Christmas Day plans because you're going to Hyams. You'd sell, you'd quit your job and you would sell your home so you can move to that beach and bask on that beach in all its glory. That's what it looks like to treasure something, to bring glory to something. Now, it'd be crazy to do that for a beach, even this beach. But to do that for Jesus, totally. Because Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God with hands. He's God with us. And we give glory to Jesus by treasuring him. By treasuring him more than anything. Can I say to you, if you'd call yourself a Christian, treasure Jesus by making him the center of your Christmas. Don't let Christmas Day and church on Christmas Day be the car stop on the way to Christmas lunch. Make Jesus the highlight of your day. Make him the highlight of your life. The reason you get up each day is to treasure him and treasure him more than you treasure his gifts. Uh, this Christmas, I hope you get gifts. I hope you get whatever gifts you want. But all year, we enjoy gifts from God. All year, the Bible tells us that everything we have in life that's good has come from the hand of God. Everything that's good. Peace, happiness, even the clothes on your back. Ultimately, they've all come from God. If you have even one friend, that is a generous gift of God. And there's always a danger when you get good gifts, isn't there? The danger is that you forget the giver. Uh, Like the kid on Christmas, I'm sure many kids around Australia will do this. The kid on Christmas who rips open the wrapping paper and discovers a brand new phone. And they're so excited by the gift that they forget to thank the mum who gave it to them. We can do that with God too, can't we? We can take the gifts and forget that God has given it to us. Uh, Earlier this year, we looked at the book of Hosea. And here's something God says to ancient Israel in the book of Hosea. He says, I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of burning heat. When I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. Then they forgot me. This is something we're all in danger of doing. We're the same. We can take and forget. We can treasure the gifts and not the giver. We can celebrate the creation and not the creator. And the solution isn't to recognize God more. The solution isn't to be a more grateful person. You know, hashtag blessed all over your Insta profile. That's not the solution. The solution is to treasure God. The solution is to love God more than we love his gifts. Uh, here's how a Christian thinker named C.S. Lewis put it. I think this is great. He said, It would seem that our Lord 
finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. I think we settle as people, as humans. I think we settle for a house and a good job and a good show, for a couple of meals out, a holiday and a new phone. And then we're happy. We treasure the gifts. We settle for the gifts when the infinite joy of knowing the giver is on offer. So we need to treasure Jesus. Uh, The first reason the angels sing, the first reason that Wesley wrote is because God is with us. God has hands. So treasure Jesus. But the second reason they give glory to King Jesus is because God has nails in his hands. This is what the angels say. Come and look in verse 11. Verse 11 again. They say, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Or here's how the carol puts it. Jesus is a Savior. Here's verse 1 of the carol. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Jesus is a saviour and he's come to save us by reconciling God and sinners. And reconcile, reconciliation is about the end of conflict. It's, It's there being peace where there was war. Reconciliation is not a Christmas word. It's not like glory or joy or hope or love. It's not a Christmas word. But it is what we long for at Christmas, I reckon. It says that Jesus brings peace on earth. Can you imagine peace on earth this Christmas in Afghanistan? Isn't that what you long to see? But let's not go so big. Let's go closer. What about in our own homes? I mentioned the other week that the cops tell me Christmas is the busiest time of the year because of all the call-outs for domestic disputes. Uh, Someone at Soul Church works at the morgue at Wollongong Hospital, and he tells me there are more homicides at Christmas than at any other time of the year. Christmas is the time when aunts refuse to come to lunch because they've been fighting with their sisters for so long, they don't even know what the fight's about anymore. As some of us have three or four meals on Christmas Day because our parents are divorced and they won't be reconciled. Don't you long for peace on earth and reconciliation? That's what Jesus brings. But the peace Jesus brings and the war that Jesus ends are not the conflicts that we normally think of. He brings peace in the war between us and God. It might not feel like it. It might not look like it. But humans are at war with God. We're sinners who need to be reconciled. Now sin, what is sin? Sin's not what happens on Christmas Day where you eat too much pavlova. Sin is when our tongues declare not that God is the Lord, not that Jesus is the Lord, but that I'm the Lord. It's us saying, basically, mud pies in a slum, so underrated, so much better than knowing God. I'm fine without you, thanks God. 
Sin would be like if that kid on Christmas ripped open the present from their mum, turned on the phone, and did a Google search to find a new mum. I don't know if you can do a Google search to find a new mum. Probably. You can do anything on Google. But that's what sin is. Sin is war with God. And there's many different ways to be at war with God. As some of us have been at war with God by just being really angry and hating God. Uh, it's been said about atheists like Richard Dawkins that, that their belief system is, I don't believe in God and I hate him. Some of us are so angry at God. That's how we're at war with God. Most of us, though, I think it's way more subtle. I think we just kind of ignore God. We don't ever really think about God while we just take and use his stuff. For me, I've been at war with God by obeying God. Uh, I grew up in church, and for many years, I did what God said. I helped people. I didn't lie, lie, steal, or cheat, or swear. But I did it as my duty without any relationship with God. I recognized God, but I didn't treasure God. I didn't have a relationship with God. I didn't have any love for God, but I still obeyed what he said. And that was my war. It's a little bit like a a teenage girl who doesn't love her parents, who doesn't even talk to her parents, but she still does everything they tell her. She still cleans her room, washes the dishes in the sink. She's still home by a 10 p.m. curfew. However you do it, we all have been at war with God and many of us still are at war with God. And Jesus came to end the war. He came to reconcile our broken relationship with God. And this is why the angels sing. The Son of God, who's come to be with us, came to save us. The baby who was born in a wooden manger died on a wooden cross. The king who is crowned in glory is crowned with thorns. See, the glory of King Jesus is that God has hands and that God has nails in his hands. God has come to make peace with us. See, Christmas actually makes no sense without Easter and vice versa. It doesn't make sense that God has come. What's he come for? He's come to make peace with us. And you can't have the peace with us unless it's God who's with us. You can't have Christmas without Easter. Uh, Here's how one verse puts it, 2 Corinthians 5 says, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The reconciliation and peace with God comes because Jesus was made to be like a sinner like us. He had no sin, but he was made to be like us, like a sinner for us so that we could be reconciled to God. Peace with God comes because Jesus was made to be like us. And peace with God comes by asking God to reconcile you through Jesus. The war with God can end if you choose to trust and treasure Jesus. So let me say, if you're tuning in online, if you're here visiting and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, if you're kind of exploring who Jesus is, let me say what God says to you here. We implore you, I implore you, I urge you, I beg you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And that looks like apologizing for however it is you've been at war with God. It looks like admitting that Jesus is the Lord, not us. 
It looks like acknowledging with your tongue that he's the Lord and bowing to his right to tell you how to live your life. Then it looks like giving Jesus glory by treasuring him. Can I urge you, if this is you, be reconciled to God. Don't spend another Christmas as an enemy of God. Don't spend another year rejecting the greatest treasure there is and fooling about with drink and sex and ambition. Don't settle for gifts when the infinite joy of knowing the giver is on offer. Because the Son of God has hands because he's come to be with us. The Son of God has holes in his hands because he's come to bring us peace. Uh, In 1914, German and British troops were bunkered down in the trenches on the Western Front. As World War I, and there'd been fierce fighting for months. There was countless dead on both sides. Then on Christmas Day in 1914, they called an unofficial ceasefire. And both sides climbed out of the trenches to celebrate Christmas together. Here's a photo of it. Germans and British soldiers shared food. They gave each other gifts. They sang carols. I wonder if they sang this carol. Then, on Boxing Day, they climbed back into the trenches and started shooting each other again. But after years of conflict, finally, the war ended. You probably know this photo. This is a very famous photo. It was taken in Bulleye at the end of World War II. And on that day, when it was announced that the war was over, total strangers hugged and danced in the street. They cried tears of joy because the war was over. This is a picture of the joy that comes at the end of war. Jesus ends our war with God. This is the picture of the end of a human war. How much greater the end of our war with God Jesus ends our war with God if you choose to be reconciled by trusting and treasuring in Jesus. And this is why Wesley wrote this song. This is why the angels sing. This is why we sing this song 200 years later. Because the glory of King Jesus is here. God has hands. God is with us and God has nails in his hands. God made peace with us. So we give Jesus glory by treasuring him. Life is all about giving Jesus glory by treasuring him more than anything else. And if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, start doing this today, right now, by asking God to forgive and reconcile you. And if you would call yourself a Christian, praise God for this and treasure Jesus. Treasure Jesus more today. By the Spirit, Make Jesus the center of your Christmas, the center of your life. Enjoy the infinite joy of knowing Jesus and bringing glory to the only one who deserves it. That's what this song's about. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Hark, soul church sing, glory to our king. How about I pray? Lord God, we praise you so much for your mercy to us. Thank you for your son. Thank you that you came to be with us at the first Christmas, that we know you're not distant. We know you care about us and you're for us. 
And thank you, Lord, that Jesus came to reconcile us, to reconcile sinners to the holy and perfect God. We pray for all of us that we would treasure Jesus this Christmas and for the rest of today. And for those of us who don't yet know and trust and love you, God, please, Lord, humble us so that we can respond as we should to the King. And for those of us who do love and treasure Jesus, help us to treasure him so much more than we do right now, because that's what he deserves. Amen.